0: you're tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network featuring news interviews and commentary on all things Black Hollywood Hollywood Redefined from Los Angeles California presented by Maria Menounos and streaming live thanks to Akamai Technologies this is Black Hollywood Live Justice is Served featuring the week's roundup and commentary on legal news Black Hollywood Live Hollywood Redefined you're listening to and now, the host for Black Hollywood Live, Justice is Served.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Justice is Served. I am your host, Mari Fagel, and this is the show where we give you the latest in legal news. I am joined today by two brand new co-hosts, Lonnie Coombs and Ra I knew I was going to mess that up. <laughs> I am a difficult so one. sorry. That's a difficult one. Rawa Gebreab. Yes, ma'am. So, Rawa, let's start with you so I can stop saying your name (laughs) and you can say it yourself. Uh, Rawa, first, uh, tell our viewers a little bit about your background.
2: Okay, well, uh, my family immigrated here from Eritrea, so I'm an Eritrean American, hence the name. And um, I went to the University of Chicago for law school. I have a civil background, um, and I have been an employment litigator for uh, the past few years.
3: And Lonnie? Uh, I was a prosecutor here criminal prosecutor here in los angeles county da's office for 18 years so um la girl and now i do legal analysis So,
1: I'm very happy to have you both here. First of all, I love the colors. Thank (laughs) you.
3: Thank
2: you. Um, I didn't even
1: plan it ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to be bright. Apparently, I missed the memo. Um, (laughs) Jewel tones. Jewel tones. Jewel tones are important. And um, I love that I have one person with a civil background, one person with a criminal background. We have a mix of both stories today. So, I definitely want your opinions on them. Um, We're starting with our case of the week. It was interesting because first I saw early in the week, I saw a headline, another Aaron Hernandez headline. And this time Aaron Hernandez, who is in jail currently um, awaiting trial for murder, he attacked another inmate. And um, Lonnie, you can probably vouch for this, but a lot of these high-profile kind of celebrity... You know, inmates, they often are in solitary confinement mm-hmm. because of their celebrity status. He's at Bristol County Jail, and it says officials had placed Hernandez in solitary confinement out of concern he would be a target behind bars due to his celebrity status. Well, guess what? Apparently he was walking down the hallway uh, and he attacked another inmate, an inmate who had been harassing him. Uh, so so is that common, that they're in solitary confinement and they try to keep him separate? Yeah, they do. Um, and a lot of times people say, oh,
3: this is preferential treatment for celebrities in jail. But the bottom line is the warden has to be aware of security concerns and keep everyone safe uh, in the jail. And when there's someone who has high profile, whether they're a celebrity or an athlete or just a very Um, high-profile case because of maybe the egregiousness of the crime, that person is going to get a lot of attention. Some of it's not going to be good. Some of it's going to be violent. So many times they will put them in um, isolation or, you know, um, separate them, segregate them from the rest of the population. Now, what's interesting about what's being reported about Aaron Hernandez, one, if he's being separated, I'm not sure how he had this person supposedly dogging him, they said they had been constantly harassing him up to the point where Aaron Hernandez was mad enough to go after him. But the other thing is other reports are alleging that at the time that they met in this isolated hallway um, that Aaron did not have handcuffs on, but the other person did. And so that Aaron was able to really take advantage of this and essentially beat the other guy to a pulp. And so there's going to be questions, obviously, about what was going on there and, you know, was safety, you know, the first priority there for both inmates.
1: And now, do you think this is something that new charges can be brought because of what happened?
3: Yeah, things if um, that happen in the jail, whether it be you know violence, assault, sometimes drugs are being smuggled in. Um, can, charges can be brought for anything, any bad behavior that goes on in the jail, too.
1: Yeah, and and we've seen this before with. Um, other high-profile inmates where then charges get added on as they're in jail as mm-hmm. some of these things happen uh, i want to talk about another athlete this week and this is why it's our case of the week because it's two big athletes in the news uh the other one is nick's point guard raymond felton he was arrested on felony weapons charges now this was interesting to me he was arrested because his current wife who's a fordham law school student right now in yes. new york um they are headed for a divorce and she called up the cops and reported the illegal gun that was in their apartment. Now, and this was not just any gun. It was um the same type of weapon that was used in the Fort Hood shooting or a very mm-hmm. similar type of weapon. Um a semi-automatic handgun and it was loaded with 18 high velocity bullets. Rawa, were you surprised that um the way this got reported was his own wife calling the cops to tell them about it?
2: no, i'm I'm rarely surprised by this type of thing <laughs> because uh, I think uh, a few days later, she filed for divorce, so uh, these issues were probably brewing. And uh, you know, I'm not here to speculate as to whether or not this was to give her one leg up in the divorce that she was planning. You know, we have no idea about that. But but no, I'm not surprised. Um, I am concerned, um, however, for uh, both his wife and for Felton, like their, their futures, it's it's very uncertain right now. New York gun laws are some of the strictest gun laws in the country. And, um, the only thing that would probably be able to, to save him, to save Felton is if, uh, if the government is unable to prove that he was in possession of the gun. And, um, you can prove possession with photographs, with videos, um, this is very different different than the Plaxico Burris case. Um, Plaxico Burris was another football player in New York. Uh, well, Raymond was a basketball player, but this is another athlete in New York. And um and and Plaxico was caught uh, in a nightclub because with a gun because he shot himself. <laughs> and so I mean, there you can't really say. Uh, I'm not sure yeah, there was say, possession that, that here. That wasn't
1: my gun that I'm just went sure. into my thigh from yeah, my but, pocket. But
2: here, but here, yeah. And so it's it's um it's gonna be interesting to see how this plays out and uh, rarely am I surprised by uh, these these ongoing sagas between um, athletes and maybe their significant others and how they, you know, gun violence may play out.
1: But this significant other knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. She's a Cornell grad and mm-hmm. she's currently in law school, so she very well knew what she was doing when she picked up that phone and she called the cops because she even said, you know, it's not like he'd ever used it on her, but she did say that he had held the gun up during their arguments. I'm not sure if that is true but she's alleging that Mm -hmm. um but what you said you mentioned plaxico burris and it's interesting you hit the nail on the head with that because this is kind of the triumvirate of right now bad boy athletes uh there's probably a lot more than that and that's why there was a an interesting cnn editorial this week because we're just coming off of two major headlines with aaron hernandez with raymond felton and it was basically asking the question of whether these star athletes are more prone to violence than the general public. And some people may think that because, I mean, we are seeing these constant headlines of um, these different, you know, star athletes ending up in jail, you know, the cops arresting them for various things. So I want to get your opinions on this editorial. I kind of want to go over some of the basic points. The conclusion ends up being that basically sports is just a microcosm of society and we live in a violent society. So it's not like sports athletes are more prone to violence than the general public. It's just because they're under the microscope of celebrity. They're constantly on NFL and all these other major, not NFL, ESPN. (laughs) I know my acronyms. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They're constantly on all of these um, media outlets and so it's not that they are more violent. It's just that they're being covered more often. But kind of the flip side to that which I tend to agree with a little bit more is two things one that you're dealing with hyper masculine people who they get off the field they get off the court and they still have kind of that ego so when someone challenges them you're kind of dealing with someone who has a shorter fuse than the average person. And then the other thing is they may feel very well like they are being targeted. And so they may kind of fear that their lives are in danger. And we have seen some situations with this. Um, you know, the Baltimore Orioles shortstop Cal Ripkin, his mother was kidnapped. There's other instances of kind of violence against athletes when they, you know, come in, come in contact with the public, so I I kind of thought that was more accurate. What do you guys think about this editorial, Lonnie? Well, I think that,
3: you know, I think they looked at statistics and kind of the numbers bear out that it's about the same rate of uh, bad behavior as the general population, but this reminded me of an interview that I saw Tony Dungy do. Um, on ESPN a few years ago, and I love him, uh, admire him. He's one of the most well-respected former NFL coaches in the business, and he was talking about how he has three things that he tells all his new players. One of them, it struck me, and I remember to this day, was that um, if they're going to go into a place like a nightclub where they feel they will need to defend themselves with a gun, they shouldn't go in. And essentially just stay away from places where there will be guns or where you think there might be guns. And he said in his first meeting with all his players, his new players, he will ask them, how many of you have guns? And almost all of them raised their hand. And then he tells them, look, you need to register it legally. You need to be careful with it. And he gives them gun safety laws. And he says, essentially, you have these guys who either, you know, for sport or for protection, because they do feel targeted, they are making massive amounts of money. They like to show it off with cars and jewelry and clothes. So they feel like they need to protect themselves. They're carrying guns. But they may not have the education or training for safety um, or how to use it. And then you uh, mix in, as you said— the fact that they might be used to resolving issues with violence or aggression or quick action, um, and the gun may come out you know, fairly quickly, um, this all mixes into disaster um, and some very sad situations sometimes. And so I, I think that perhaps the fact that, um, and I think it was ESPN who did kind of a, a Not an official study, but they um, asked a number of athletes, and they decided that essentially the general population, about 40 to 45 percent, carry guns. But for professional athletes, it's more like 70 to 75 percent. So perhaps the fact that there are more of them carrying guns, that's why we're hearing more about gun violence or gun problems with them.
1: And you also mentioned something. You talked about safety as important. And Rawa, I'm not sure if you saw the story this week of the one guy who was trying to show his family... Mm. how to keep the gun safe and shot and killed himself in that demonstration. So, um, I mean, what can be done to kind of cut down... On the prevalence of guns in this country, is that is that the issue? I mean, I'm, I'm giving you a hard one right <laughs> yeah. now. You're giving Your me a hard show. one. No, you
2: are. <laughs> it's, it's, I, I don't. There's not one answer. Yeah. There's not one answer here, and um, it's very complicated as far as laws are concerned because the gun lobbies are very, very strong. Mm-hmm. They have a lot of support, and a, a good chunk of this country believes in their right to bear arms, and uh, they won't stand for anybody opposing that. Um, on the on the other side of things, I mean, we're seeing things and just even outside of um, athletics you know Sandy Hook mm-hmm. uh, violence against children in schools, just violence in mass violence in, in public places uh, it's increasing the call for tighter gun restrictions and uh, at this point it's, it's really difficult to say where it's going to go. Uh, the president is at the approaching the end of his second term and I, I think we're really going to have to uh, await, Wait and see, you know what a new administration will bring. But I think the most important thing that um, that both sides, both factions, can do is educate themselves right now on on the importance of of gun safety. Um, figure out how to use a gun before you try to show others how to safely use it. And um, that point that you made about about Tony uh, Dungy and, um, and and training these players, I think that in addition to gun. Training or training regarding, you know, weapons or or safety, there also needs to be just kind of a whole – this needs to go into a whole other um, maybe some type of training seminar about how to live your life as an athlete in this 24-hour news cycle because these guys, no matter Mm -hmm. what, are going to have their lives picked apart. How many different uh, sports networks alone are there? Aside from just even these legal shows, you've got ESPN, you've got NFL Network, you've got Fox Sports. So – all you can do is sit there and pick apart these guys' problems. And uh, I think they definitely need to have as part of their entry into uh, the NFL or the NBA or any other sport, okay, this is what you need to do. This is what you not need, You don't need to do. And um, if they follow through with that, okay. And if not, what else can be done?
1: Well, you mentioned uh, tighter gun restrictions, and you mentioned possibly a new administration. It's not right. even a new admi- administration. It's... Uh, The next elections, because it made me think about Sonia Sotomayor recently came to my school and she told a story about how when she was going through the confirmation hearings, there were several senators that she had met with that had kind of pledged their support. And then the NRA came out with, um, you know, some sort of study saying that she, you know, was so anti, you know, was so anti-guns, and so many of those senators who had pledged their support just the day before ended up not um, voting for her. And so you know i think i think that's another issue too but we're we're going to save all those <laughs> issues for another show because that is a big topic so now we're going to go into on the docket and on the docket is uh one of my favorite segments because it's a little bit more rapid fire <laughs> so phil our producer i'm going to ask you to put uh 3 minutes on the clock for every story we usually do 2 minutes but because there's 3 of us now okay. i'll allow each of us a minute to um kind of talk about these stories. So the first one up, uh Nicki Minaj's hairstylist is suing her. Uh the reason he's suing her is because Um, He says that she stole not only his wig designs, but apparently they were going to do a reality show together, and she backed out on the deal. So he was with her for two years. I think they started in 2010 together, and um, he did several of her kind of iconic uh, wigs. And now she on her website is selling wigs (laughs) based off of his designs, and um, this comes as no surprise. Apparently they were going to do a reality show together. And all of a sudden her side went silent and kind of isolated him. I do want to point out that his attorney is Christopher Chestnut, who was on our show just a few weeks back. He's also uh, Jonathan Farrell's family's attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, so hopefully we'll have him on to kind of comment on this lawsuit. But okay, quickly Rawa and then Lonnie, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts on this lawsuit? I do
2: have some thoughts on this lawsuit. <laughs> Initially you think, God, this woman stole this these, this man's designs. We should be outraged. Um, but if you take a closer look at it, it's a bit more complicated than that. Um Actually, Mr. Chestnut was quoted in Time Magazine as saying, "You know, uh, this is—we don't need to get into the intricacies of intellectual property law. This is a morality issue." And whenever a lawyer says that, I get a little <laughs> bit curious because, it really, you know, are you trying to win in the in the court of public opinion? Mm-hmm. Are you trying to win in a civil court? So, a court of law. And um, and so, you dig a bit deeper. I took a look at the complaint. I mean, there are allegations of unjust enrichment, breach of contract, um, breach of implied contract. Tortious interference with contractual relations, but no mention of copyright claims, mm. and I think um and or intellectual property violation claims, and I think implicitly in that complaint, because those claims are not there, those trademark and copyright claims are not as strong as he, he may have you think. But he's talking a good game, and it's pretty impressive. Designs are not as protected by intellectual property laws as many would think, and so uh, we'll see how this thing plays out.
3: Um, I agree with what a lot of what Rava said, um, Intellectual property and those trademark violations, copyright violations, are very hard to prove. Um, And it takes a lot of overlap for a judge to say, yeah, you actually stole this as opposed to it being your own creation or a variation on the creation. Um, However, to take the other side for a moment, we all know that uh, Nicki Minaj was really well known for her hair and for her different looks. And if this is the guy that was behind that and created this for her— you know, at least in public opinion and maybe in a courtroom, they might say he should have been given some piece of the pie here, especially if, although they're talking about implied contracts, which makes, leads me to believe there's nothing in writing. But if there's something right. in writing, then he has a lot stronger case to say, look, I did believe we did agree that we were going to have a wig line together, that we were going to do a reality show together. Um, I should be getting a piece of the you know, profits that you're obviously going to make lots of money on by selling these wigs.
1: All right, so let's move on to the next story. Amanda Bynes, who uh, is... We talk about her on this show a lot, unfortunately, because she has been in a lot of legal trouble as of late. Uh, Things are looking on the up and up for her, though, because she has taken a plea deal that resolved a drunken driving charge. Now, this stems back to that April 2012... Uh, kind of accident where she side-swiped a police cruiser in (laughs) West Hollywood. And that was kind of like the beginning of the end, if you guys remember. It was like that happened, and then her behavior got more and more and more odd, and then it led to the infamous, you know, Drake tweet, (laughs) which I'm not going to repeat on camera. Um, So now things are looking on the up for her. Obviously, she's come out of um, whatever kind of rehab she was in. She now in this plea deal, she must serve three years probation, attend an alcohol education course and pay a fine after entering a no contest plea to reckless driving. So, Lani, I want to ask you first, how common is a plea deal in something like this? It's fairly common. I mean, a DUI based on the
3: strength of the case, based on the level of the uh, blood alcohol Sometimes is reduced down to either a wet reckless or a dry reckless. And then, you know, essentially you get the same sentence without the alcohol conditions. Um, as far as Amanda Bynes, and you see that, you know, she had some hit-and-run cases and some other cases throwing a bong out the window. Those were all kind of going away, too. Mm-hmm. You know, when this was all going on and her behavior was becoming more and more erratic, and they said she was talking to herself in dressing rooms and she was acting out in the gym class and stuff— you know, I have a, uh, my bachelor's degree is in psychology, so I'm always watching for those mental illness issues. And I really spotted way back then, as many did look, this looks like perhaps um, a mental illness issue, which can is um, come on in your early 20s, right about the age that she was. And sure enough, it looks like finally um, things were able to turn for the better when her family was able to essentially involuntarily commit her. Um, to a mental institution and get that help that she needed and now she's um, slowly coming back and going to school and looking better and interacting with her family again and staying out of trouble so you have to look as the prosecutor at you know, what is the most just thing for the defendant and also for society what's going to keep society safe Throwing people in jail is not always ban- the oh, answer. Okay, banned. I don't know. <laughs> we
1: hear an alarm going off. I don't that's know. If why that's why we gotta wear our phones. Three minutes story. over. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. We definitely went over this three minutes. I'm gonna. Okay, I'm keeping time right here. <laughs> hey, gotcha. Okay, so so go on. Well, just to finish the thought, sometimes
3: the best situation is when you have that um, interaction with the mental health resources and counseling, and as long as it looks like she's staying on the right path and she has a lot of supervision
1: to keep her on the right track, that is a very good result for her and for society. And, uh, Raul, I want to ask you, because, Lonnie, you made a couple of these points. One is that this is someone who has mental health problems, and the other is that she's a celebrity. Do you think that kind of factored into how prosecutors and the judge and the court are treating her? Do you think they're more sensitive to her because of her mental health issues, or do you think the fact that she's a celebrity is a knock against her?
2: Absolutely, to both. Uh, <laughs> well, I think, actually, I think uh, as to the celebrity, uh, aspect of it. I think it's helped her. I mean, it brought a lot of attention to her, mm-hmm. which she probably didn't want, but... No, uh, she wanted that attention. <laughs> well, I, I don't know if she wanted it or if it was kind of a, a result of, of the mental illness um, or the things that, you know, demons that she was fighting, and... Um, I think that that celebrity access to money and to good lawyers, and um, and I think seeing her unravel by people. I mean, people have known her since she was a kid. Mm-hmm. She's been on television since she was what six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think it really tugged at the heartstrings of a lot of people. And uh, I think that helped her in some in some instances. I, I I think that also the fact that you know she had this mental illness issue um, also helped. At the beginning, when we didn't know what was going on, I think it uh, it looked really bad for her because it was is this a mental illness issue is she just having this crisis that a lot of child stars have when they're transitioning into more adult roles
1: or is she the one in on this and she is kind of pulling a Joaquin Phoenix maybe Shia LaBeouf I'm not sure what's going on with him um None but she's the one you know she realizes that um she's getting attention right. she's not in movies anymore so she needs to do something to keep her in those tabloids mm-hmm. that that honestly for a while that's what I was thinking but now now, obviously, we know it's more mental demons. Well, yeah,
2: she, and she also uh, uh, retired, quote, unquote, from acting, I think, back in 2010, made some type of announcement about it. And I think maybe that was when things really started to go downhill, not because she wanted to retire, but I think she wanted a retreat from public life. But, you know, when you've been in the, the spotlight for that long, it's very difficult to kind of retreat quietly when these types of things
1: happen. So now we're going to move on to one of our favorites here. I say favorites because he keeps he keeps us all in in business. <laughs> yeah, uh, the beads. Justin Bieber. You know, uh, we've talked about on this show when we first started out this show back in August. We said. Chris Brown is going to be mm-hmm. the most talked about celebrity on this show, but <laughs> I revised my opinion last month when Chris Brown went into anger management rehab and he's been sitting quiet, yeah. uh, and I'm saying Justin Bieber, I think, is going to be the most talked about celebrity on that show, so I don't know if you guys want to wager that bet with me between yeah. Justin and breezy, but right now <laughs> I'm betting Justin. on Justin. I'll take Justin.
2: It's easy to bet on Justin right now, but you know, Chris Brown's been making some noise lately. Um I I do wish them both the best, but it is difficult for me to say at this point. 2014, we're still early.
1: Yeah. So. yeah <laughs> still <laughs> a lot of year to go. Uh Phil, I want you to cue up, please, the riveting video of him wow. uh in jail. Um, okay, so it was funny because the Hopefully this will play soon. But it's pretty much as boring playing as it is still. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So all these headlines, Justin Bieber walks unsteadily and even appears to stumble while performing a sobriety test... Why, why do we care? Why was this such a big deal? That's my question. I mean, these news organizations were fighting to get mm-hmm. the video of him—this is back when he was arrested in Miami—released, and um, his attorneys fought them on large portions of the tape where he's actually peeing into a mm-hmm. cop— um, but a lot of this, you know, it was a big hullabaloo this week with this tape getting released. And I said, and I said, what's the big deal? Why do people care so much? Why do we want to see this video? Rawa? Uh,
2: this is wholly <laughs> unsurprising, even though, as you are correct, this video is pretty boring. Um, and, and greatly hyped up. Um, I, I think when you have a celebrity such as Justin Bieber, of his magnitude, he has so many followers on social media. He's sold millions upon millions of albums, a gajillion tickets. This is a this guy's a big deal and he has a huge following. So any news story with his name in it is going to get clicks, which is going to result in uh, money and coverage for media, so uh, this this is, is wholly unsurprising but it's it's sad and um, I think every little thing that this young man does uh, from now until whenever is going to be picked apart he 's in a transition it appears that he 's in a transition period of his life right now from young um, from teen tween to to young man and um, I think we're, I hope we don't but I think we may be seeing a bit more of this because it 's turning into a pattern.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, um, I, I think the celebrity phenomenon that I talk about a lot with these cases—it's—it's it's a double-edged sword. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's interest in this case in particular because it was going to be when I saw it at first, oh, this is the case. They finally got him. I mean, so many times he's done all these bad behaviors and never gotten arrested, never gotten charged. But this case sounded extremely serious. You're talking about drag racing, which is one of the most dangerous things you can do. Um, You know, DUI, um, you know, resisting arrest without violence. So I thought, okay, this is going to be the wake-up call for him. He is going to actually face the courtroom a judge and this is his turning point if he wants to take it to turn his life around um but now we're starting to hear things that maybe the case isn't as strong as the police said it was they maybe they weren't drag racing his blood alcohol level is below you know a point oh two and yet they said they could smell the strong odor of alcohol emitting from his breath i'm not sure at a point oh two you're going to smell a strong odor so then when you look at this these fsts
1: walking the line He's not falling over drunk. Not so at all. yeah, that's people... why there's <laughs> headlines when it's like he is stumbling. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's, so... that's me walking normally. Right, 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 <laughs> I know
3: and with those big shoes on too. I wouldn't yeah. even be able to walk that well. So I think for his fans and the people that want to hope the best for him, they're looking at this and saying, "Hey, he, you know, he's not as bad as they said he was. Maybe he'll get out of this one too."
1: Yeah, so uh, our final story on the docket, it got added late yesterday because I saw this headline, and I was kind of shocked by it. So rapper DeBrat was ordered to pay $6.4 million to the woman she attacked with a rum bottle. This was on Halloween night back in a club, uh, Studio 72 uh, in Atlanta. The woman has a scar on her face and apparently a brain injury. So DeBrat has served nearly three years in prison already for this 2007 attack. This is obviously the civil suit, and the jury ordered her to pay $3.7 million in compensatory damages and an additional $2.7 million in punitive damages. Um, Her attorney, unsurprisingly, said that this was excessive considering her prior punishment already, Rawa, when you saw these numbers, mm-hmm. were you surprised and is an appeal far away? Uh, as I said earlier, very few things surprise me. <laughs> in, in in this type of in this
2: type of realm. You yes,
3: cannot surprise her. Exactly. Well, I mean it'll
2: take a lot. But um in this in, in this instance, uh DeBrat served time. So she was tried in a criminal court and then she is now facing these civil uh damages. And that's Unfortunately or fortunately, what can happen when you attack someone? She apparently I think uh, hit this woman over the head with a bottle, completely mm-hmm. sliced her face. Yes, she served her time, but this woman is, according to her attorney, a, a brain injury survivor. Maybe she has difficulty getting a job, maybe she
1: lost her job because she had her cognitive
2: abilities affected. I mean, there are I mean she
1: was an Atlanta Falcons cheerleader, and so the scar on her face and the visual appearance that um.
2: Exactly, so I mean it, her
1: her face is her money depending on 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 what her
2: earning was her earnings were and what her earning potential could be it, it's possible that maybe this was an amount that was compensatory also as far as punitive damages go, punitive damages are to punish <laughs> essentially, and uh when you crack a bottle over somebody's face, you will have uh you will not have the sympathy of jurors or judge, generally speaking, and um, although she did serve time, uh, these punitive damages are not surprising. What is surprising is that her attorney is surprised, yeah. DeBrat's attorney is surprised, yeah. um, because in these types of cases, people want money as well. If you recall in the O.J. case, he, in O.J. Simpson, he, he did not um, have to go to jail on those charges of, uh, of, of the murder of his ex-wife, and um, but he did have to, he lost a civil suit, and so um, in that instance, he was required to to pay money. I don't I don't know to what extent he paid it, um, and, and that's a whole other issue altogether. But. That's where it stands.
1: And now, Lonnie, do you think the fact that this was Debrat uh, made a difference in the jurors' minds? Well, I think you know that's part of the issue when they're looking and deciding the money amounts to award.
3: I think sometimes they're swayed by, oh, this is a deep pocket here, or maybe this is a celebrity who can afford it, and um, you know, was acting out because they were a celebrity and thought they could get away with it. But I agree with what, Rawa. The funniest part of the story to me was when the attorney said, "I'm baffled." I mean, you're a baffled. You're the attorney. You should have known at the time. There's always a criminal and a civil aspect of the case. The criminal is to punish because society wants punishment for you and what the society thinks is appropriate. And civil is to address the victim. And a good attorney will actually try and tie those both together so that you deal with it all at once. And sometimes maybe they'll get less time because they're going to be paying so much money um, for the the injuries to the victim. But this victim wanted to go to court because you can't get punitive damage in a criminal court. You can only get that in a civil court. And clearly the um, behavior was so egregious that she was able to get punitive on top of the, just the actual
1: cost of the, the injuries. How likely do you think um, an appeal will be successful?
2: Uh, at this point, it's difficult to say, but I think uh, DeBras' attorney isn't even sure if she's going to appeal, yeah. which, uh, which concerns me. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah. <laughs> which concerns me. Well, not concerns me, but yeah, it definitely tells you something about the prospects of success on appeal.
1: I mean, I'm... I'm sure we will see an appeal, so we'll be talking about this story again soon, uh, but we'll have to watch that one. So finally, we're going to go into tipping the scales, and this is the segment where we kind of ask our viewers to give their opinions. Um, This week, I'm playing it a little bit differently. I have two options. So the question of the week is, how do we curb paparazzi photos of celebrity children? Option one, as we saw this week, um, is magazines just pledging not to run the photos at all and uh, justjared.com people magazine have pledged they're not going to run photos where the parent didn't authorize these photos of their children where the celebrity parent didn't authorize it Uh, and i think that's a step in the right direction option two is one that we've talked about on this show in the past and it is a anti-paparazzi law kind of aimed at curbing this behavior But uh, my question is whether there should be better laws in place than the one that was just passed and just went into law this January Um, because there was an interesting editorial in Above the Law kind of analyzing this anti-paparazzi statute that went into effect. And um, that law has not – no one's been prosecuted under that law yet, so we haven't seen it tested out in court. Uh, And this editorial presents kind of a bleak future, for it. Um, so I want to read basically what the statute comes down to. It makes it so that actually photographing or attempting to photograph a minor without his parents' consent in a way that seriously alarms, annoys, torments, or terrorizes is harassment and punishable in the county jail for up to one year the problem with this statute is there are a lot of vague terms. So one is um, this conduct must serve no legitimate purpose, but you can argue that a TMZ photographer taking photos of a children of a child of, you know, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Garner does serve a legitimate purpose because it's newsworthy. So what does legitimate purpose mean? They didn't define that. Uh, the other problem is, you know, what does it mean to seriously alarm or torment a child what if the child is a particularly sensitive child and you know you do something that wouldn't you know rile up the normal child but it will in this case uh so they the paparazzi, as the way the statute is defined now, are not on notice as to uh, what behavior is criminal and is not. And the problem with statutes like this, where the First Amendment comes in, is the reason why you know we strike down statutes that are vague and overbroad is it can lead to a chilling effect. These paparazzi might decide, I highly doubt it though. These paparazzi might decide, you know, I'm not gonna take any pictures at all for fear of criminal prosecution. Um, so it was an interesting analysis. We'll see how this law uh comes out, but I kind of agreed with it for the most part. Um so first, Lonnie, I'm going to start with you. What did you think of, of that analysis of this law? I thought
3: it was a good analysis because um, laws are actually very hard to write. It ri- reminds me of jury instructions, which, you know, people always complain. Jury instructions are so hard to understand. They're so convoluted. They're so filled with, like, legalese. And yet, you know, there's committees that come together, all these brainy people, and they try to rewrite them and make them clearer every few years, and it never gets any clearer. The same thing with this law. There were a lot of brainy people who sat around and tried to figure out how they could make this the clearest they could and also address the situation but you still have these fatal flaws. It's overbroad, the legitimate purpose. Any one of those photographers can say, this is my livelihood. That's a legitimate purpose to me right there. It wipes out all the paparazzi pictures. So um, I think that that the law is going to have trouble. I don't think it's going to have a chilling effect at all. I don't think any of these paparazzi are going to stop doing what they're doing. What I really like is your option number one. I think that magazines self-regulating is the best way possible because they're standing up and saying, I don't need anybody to tell me what to do we don't need to spend time and money in the courtrooms we're going to say we're not doing this and people who agree with us will buy our magazine and they'll stop buying the magazines that aren't doing it and somehow perhaps put pressure on all the magazines and outlets until they all start following this self-regulation i think that's the best way to go
1: But, Rawa, do you think um, other magazines like Us Weekly, Star, In Touch, Life and Style, I know my magazines apparently, (laughs) (laughs) um, are going to follow suit from people or they're going to say, hey, uh, we have the leg up now because if people want to see Surrey Cruise, they're going to go to our magazine and they're going to stop buying people.
2: Right. I think it can go both ways. I really do. I think uh, justjared.com and people.com, I think they did something that was ingenious. I think it was also a... A business move. It was not uh, a moral move, only even though it may look like that. Well, it was in response (laughs) (laughs) because now they're going to get these. uh, Now they're going. Yeah. Now they're going to get the attention. Now they're going to get attention
1: for a week, and then it's going to go away. Well, celebrities may
2: give uh, additional pictures, and Mm -hmm. may give them features, and may give them interviews that they wouldn't give other. If if, if these other celebrities are following in the footsteps of Kristen uh, Kristen Bell Mm -hmm. and uh, and Dax Shepard, who uh, famously said in January, "You know what? I'm not going to give any interviews. I'm not going to deal." with any type of media that publishes photos of children, of celebrities that have not been authorized. And uh, and so right now, I think that they have a leg up. I think that also these other publications, uh, until they see how this plays out with just Jared and people, that they're just going to wait and see because, honestly, people want to see the kids of some of the biggest celebrities today. And uh, maybe they'd be willing to pay fines and um, and – even criminal charges if the profits from these pictures were to outweigh i mean that's the, that's the issue in france uh their privacy laws are really strict but pictures are still taken it's just okay are these pictures going to be so explosive <laughs> that they will make up for the fact that yeah i broke a law and i uh i may have to pay a big fine so it depends
1: yeah, well, I asked um, some of my followers on Twitter the same question of whether they think that um, it's a step in the right direction that people and just Jared are deciding not to publish these photos. So I want to read a couple. Um, Fran a day said, I don't know who ran the photo of Philip Seymour Hoffman's grieving children, but I wish oh. they hadn't. Mm-hmm. That broke my heart. Um Fitz wrote, right move. It's never okay to stalk and photograph children. The general public does not need to see them. And finally, Annie Whatever Happens says, it's a lost fight, in my opinion, because she doesn't think that the other magazines are going to follow suit. Hmm. So uh, I want people to uh, weigh in on this. Option one, do you think that magazines should self-regulate and decide not to run these photos? Option two, do you think the law is the way to go? There should be better laws in place, kind of anti-paparazzi statutes to curb these paparazzi from taking photos. Uh, Tweet me, at Mari Fagel. Tweet the two of you. What are your Twitter handles? Lonnie Coombs.
2: And mine is Rawa, R-A-H-W-A.
1: Oh, okay. Keeping it simple. I was waiting mm-hmm. for the last name to come in. You're like Madonna and Beyonce. You don't need That's the last good. name. So we can just call her Rawat. Exactly. <laughs> last
2: name is really long, so it'll probably take up all 140 characters.
1: I like the hyphen in it, though, because I have a hyphen in my middle name. So, oh, okay. And I have an accent mark. Not <laughs> got it all. Got lots going on. Okay, well, thank you both so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Uh, we have some exciting shows coming up. We have uh, the professors who wrote the New York Times editorial about the rap lyrics being used in trial as evidence uh, coming in. We have uh, Lisa Bloom, the author of Suspicious Nation, coming in. So we look forward to having them here and please stay tuned. We shoot every Friday and thank you both, Lonnie and Rawa, for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good weekend.
0: From producers Maria Manuna, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, Dario Christmas, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for tuning in to the Black Hollywood Live Network. If you have questions or comments, tweet us at BHL online or email us at info at blackhollywoodlive.com. For more exclusive content, visit blackhollywoodlive.com. This has been a presentation of the Black Hollywood Live Network.